Hello, uh, I am Darren Asemoglu. I am the co-author of several books with Jim Robinson, with whom I'm talking now. And uh, Jim, it's great to be chatting with you in this interesting month of November. And I guess one question that people might be interested in is whether we, and you in particular, uh, have changed your views about American institutions since Why Nations Fail, where we use the U.S. as an example of good inclusive institutions, where you know political power is broadly distributed and checked. Is that still the case? I think I think I think we what we've seen is that U.S. institutions are much less stable uh, than we thought they were. Uh, we give the example in the book, for example, of, of President Roosevelt in the 1930s trying to pack the Supreme Court. And there was bipartisan opposition to that. Uh, but I think what we've seen with President Trump is uh, attempts to undermine institutions. And there has not been bipartisan opposition to that. In fact, the opposition has come from the Democrats and the Republicans have sort of sat on their hands as they've been sitting on their hands since the election. So that, that, what does that show? It shows there is less support for the institutions than, uh, than, we, that, than we argued in the book. Uh, um, you know, uh, I, think, I think we recognize that it was, uh, it, it, you know, it, there's lots of gray areas, you know, that, that we emphasize a lot, the US South and the problems of the extractive institutions in the South. And it was just sort of, on average, the US did better and the inclusive institutions dominated the society. But but there were large pockets of extractive institutions and, and you know, maybe they've, they flourished rather than withering away uh, uh, in this, in, uh, you know, for reasons that, that we're all still struggling with. Yeah, I mean, I guess a different way of saying that is we have actually, to some degree, changed our minds a little bit since Why Nations Fail in the sense that we have built more onto the framework that was started in Why Nations Fail, our more recent book, The Narrow Corridor, sort of perhaps has a slightly more nuanced discussion of both institutions in general and the US in particular, emphasizing that you know institutions are really dependent on society's support for them. So what we call societal mobilization is very important for inclusive institutions, for democratic institutions, and also the US is a much more complex case uh, you know, we don't have time to get into the full details of that here, but U.S. is a uh, unique case in some point combining some of the properties of really successful institutions in terms of checks and voice for broad cross-section of the people, but at the same time, a huge amount of discrimination, inequality, ineffectiveness built into the cake as well. So perhaps what we are seeing right now is the dark side of the US institutions that were already present throughout the 20th century, but have become much more exacerbated during this particular critical juncture. Yeah, I mean, what I, what I find interesting is, you know, the extent to which people right at the top are willing to countenance gaming the institutions, you know, in some sense, uh, exploiting loopholes in the constitution to override democratic votes in order to, you know, shift electoral college representation against the democratic will. And, you know, that, that I find, you know, what is it that's stopping that? You know, it's the prospect of social mobilization in some sense. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the most important lesson in some sense. Actually, the one theme running through the narrow corridor is that you cannot just 
hope that the constitution or its checks and balances are going to protect liberty or democracy. And many presidents in the past have tried exploiting those loopholes, not just FDR when he was trying to pack the court, but several others throughout the 19th century during even contested elections such as between Jefferson and Adams or uh, in 1877. So, but they were not stopped purely by the constitution, but by the general politically active population that played a role. And I think that the fact that there is so much more polarization and less trust in these institutions today is not unrelated to the problems we're experiencing. Yeah, and I, th I think I, you know, I think it, it, it resonates with a theme of why nations fail and, and the narrow corridor, which is that this is not really a cultural thing. That, that, that there's no sort of deeply ingrained cultural belief in the institutions. It's really about power and, and, and its abuse or, or, or the opposition to its abuse. You don't see much cultural commitment to the rules uh, in, in the, to the institutions in the US at the moment, at least that's my perception. Absolutely, I think that's right. Uh, and at least that, on that one, we have been consistent in all of our books. But there is also sort of a sense in which in the same way that history is written by the winners, we sort of forget the near misses, near failures of institutions, but that might actually be an optimistic possibility. You know, we can forget about the fact that we almost had American democracy collapse and we can build on the sort of the defeat of Trump and his party and his agenda, and perhaps something better will come out of it. That would be the flexibility of American institutions that we also emphasize at some point. Yes, it's a sort of stress test uh, that the institutions haven't really had before. And I, and I do think that is an opportunity to learn. Yes. Let's hope. <laughs>